This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Jody Vance in for Simi Sarah today. And the stories are pouring in about the victims of Ukraine Airlines Flight 752. 138 Canadians returning from holidays, weddings, headed back to school. Even not knowing victims, we can all feel the sadness and the loss. It's an emotional toll, unimaginable, though, for so many of us. Unfortunately, though, it is a reality for more than just those feeling the effects of the most current tragedy. Our colleague Janet Brown knows this pain and joins us now to talk about the long-term effects of losing a loved one in an air tragedy like this. Janet, thank you for being here. Well, it's my pleasure, Jody, to be here. Yes, um, you know, it's it's not easy to talk about grief. It's not easy to talk about feelings sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes we have to talk about that. And, you know, a plane crash, you never think it's going to happen to you or your family. Plane crashes and people dying in plane crashes, Jody. You know what? That stuff that happens to other people in faraway lands, that's how we think. Mm-hmm. But I learned uh, when my cousin died in a plane crash that yes, it can happen to anybody. If it can happen to my cousin, it can happen to you. It can happen to anyone. My cousin was on a British Midlands flight from London to Belfast, Northern Ireland. He was coming home from vacation January 8th, 1989. He had recently graduated as an accountant. He was only 24 years old. He was set to take over his father's business. He was on a plane when one of the engines of that plane went on fire The pilot turned around to go back to the airport, and while he was doing that, the pilot turned off the wrong engine, so the plane had no engines, and it ended up crashing in Kegworth, England, just short of the runway. 47 people were killed in that crash, including my cousin. And I remember getting that call that day, and I remember every detail of that call to this day, 31 years later, and my reaction and just falling to the floor and sobbing and not being able to process the information and thinking, you know, this can't be real. He was getting on a plane. Everything was fine yesterday. And and it brought it all home for me yesterday. I was thinking of those those poor families getting that same call, the shock of that call. What do you mean? My family's on a plane coming home. They were at a wedding. I just talked to them. They were just celebrating. I just got a text message from my wife or my relative. You are wrong. You must be crazy. This can't be happening. That's how you think when you get these kind of calls. And you know, Jody, I was thinking of that man in North Vancouver who runs the Amir Bakery on Lonsdale Avenue, who lost his wife and daughter. Imagine losing a wife and a daughter. My heart just breaks for that poor man. And I know how devastating losing my cousin, but losing a wife and daughter, how on earth do you even move forward from that? And everybody deals with grief differently, I think. And I think part of the grieving process is also asking the question, how or why did this happen? How did this plane crash happen? How did my mom get cancer and die, etc., etc.? And in this situation of this plane crash this week, right now we don't have any concrete answers, although we were are getting some new information um, that you've been reporting on, Jody, in the last half hour. But not knowing exactly what caused it, I think it only compounds the grief. And we always want answers because we want answers because we want to know who to blame. 
Who caused this? And, and I know in my own family, many people were blaming God. If, if God is all-knowing and God's in control and you believe in God, how could he let this happen? You know, it's just human nature to blame God. But, you know, God's not the person to blame in a lot of cases. Sometimes it's human error. Sometimes it's something else, which may be the case in this recent plane crash. Uh, you know, God does not control human thinking or actions. That's how we were created, to think for ourselves and and act on our own, but sometimes we will never know the why of something. And it's hard to leave that alone. It's human nature to want to know why something happened because we want to know who to blame in these situations. And it does Raleigh take you right back to 31 years ago and receiving that phone call. That's how you and I connected on this. I, I saw you post on Twitter how the events of the last 36 hours have really brought it all back for you. And Alan Regan, our producer, found some audio of an eyewitness of the Kegworth air disaster that your cousin uh, perished in. And it, it it's one of those things that I think is worth sharing. We debated this prior to the program uh, because we want to be very clear. This, this is an air disaster that was caused by as Janet, as you mentioned, a catastrophic mix of mechanical failure and human error. Two very difficult things to not lay heaps of blame on when you feel such incredible loss. But here is the audio from an eyewitness. Her name is Carol Harris, and she was speaking to Channel 4 News 31 years ago, almost to the day. Well, we heard the plane come over. We heard them come over because we're on a flight path, and it was obviously having trouble. The engine sounded awful, it was failing. He was having trouble, it was very, very low over the house. I looked out of the window, and as I saw it go towards the airport, I could see flames on the left-hand side. And as it went over the brow of the hill, the sky lit up and clouds shot up into the sky. So, Janet, that when, when Alan found that audio, and I listened to it, I thought of you, and I thought, how did you first hear about your cousin? Were you with family at the time or were you by yourself? Wow, that's really, that touches me hearing that audio, Jody. You know, I think, I think of the people that were on that plane. I think of the people that were on the plane this week. What were, go what was going through their minds? And when you asked me where I was, you know, I was working in the newsroom in CHNL in Kamloops and I was reporting on this plane crash. Oh I remember getting the messages coming over the old newswire, you know, the ticker in the newsroom. And, you know, I remember thinking, I knew the plane, uh, they had first reported that the plane was going from England to Belfast, and that's where my family all lives. And I remember immediately thinking, gosh, I hope nobody from my family is on that plane. It's the first thing, it's the automatic thing you think of, right? Mm. You know, I hope nobody's, nobody in my family's on that plane. And I had a terrible feeling that, you know, what if, what if somebody is on that plane? So you sort of, prepare yourself for these things and um and then but yeah, can you prepare yourself for the, these things because we've all sat in an airport i'm a horrible flyer uh, and i've been mm -hmm. i've been counseled numerous times it's safer to be on the aircraft than it is driving to mm -hmm. the airport we've all heard these things and yet when instances such as the kegworth air disaster happens the mechanical error coupled with human error how do you qualify? How do you place that? It, it would be similar in some degrees to 752 if it is proven that it was um, an errant 
anti-aircraft radar or trigger finger over a war zone? Uh, I think you, in, in my situation anyways, I, I have a sixth sense. I don't know if it's a God thing, if it's just an inner thing. But when I first received the news that an aircraft had gone down between London to Belfast, I just had something in me tell me that somebody from my family may be on it. And I think that's sort of preparing yourself for receiving bad news. Mm. You know, um, I, I don't shy away from bad news. I sort of lean into it and it does prepare you more. Um, when you say, you know, people are afraid to fly, I don't believe you, you, ha you can live in fear because, you know, if you live in fear all the time of whatever it is, you'd never leave your house. There are That's fearful true. things all around us, right? You have to step out in faith and just move forward. But in my situation, something in me told me that somebody from my family may be on that plane. And in some ways, when that was in the back of my mind, it prepared me for the bad news that I was to receive. Um, and as I say, this, you know, it's still a cousin. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't my husband or, or any of my children but still it's a loved one and these people losing wives and daughters and multiple people from their family gosh you know getting that call getting that call and not expecting that call um i sort of expected my bad call because i knew this plane had gone down these people getting the call in the middle of the night no you're not expecting it and i guess you know the next thing how do you move forward when you get this information, and, and part of that, as I say, is knowing the why something happened. You can't move forward until you know why it happened, because knowing why is part of the grieving process. And at the same time, you, you can't really dwell on the past. You have to be able to move forward somehow. And process and, and that. You and I went back and forth by DMs to talk about you coming on today and what the goal is really is to help people process and move forward. Even those who aren't direct family members of the victims of this tragedy, but also uh, the colleagues, uh, the, the schoolmates, so many of the British Columbians and in, in fact uh, Canadians are students uh, who were returning after weddings or, or just having the Christmas and winter holidays uh, overseas mm -hmm. with family. And all of a sudden, just gone. How do you process, how has your family processed and moved forward over the last 31 years? Well, Jody, you know, clearly I'm no expert. I am just speaking from experience yes. that I've gone through. And um, my cousin who died in the plane crash, you know what? His parents, his father in particular, he never got over his grief. And our family still says that uh, my uncle, he died of a broken heart. He did. He stopped living life. He just sat in a chair and he basically died at home. He never moved away from his grief. Uh, my aunt, she did. She got on with things. She got involved in the community and her church, uh, family help too. It's some, grief is something that you have to work at, but you also want to have to want to get out of that grief. How do we help people going through grief? Well, I've also learned a lot from from others. Uh, I, I learned a lot from a neighbor of mine too one time, Jody, uh, many years ago. She was from Lebanon and she said 
in their culture, when somebody dies, they automatically go and sit with them. They go to their house immediately and they sit there and they be still. They don't start babbling and talking. They just listen and sit with a person. And you know what? I found that to be so helpful. Just sitting and being with somebody. And I've learned that to do that for others as well when they're going through sorrow and grief or a loss. People don't want flowers. They don't want a bunch of questions about how old were they? What did they do? They don't want endless babble or distraction about other topics. They just want somebody to sit there and be still with them. You know, there's also grief classes that people can go to. Personally, um, after my mother died, I went to a grief class at the hospital where she died. I thought that might help me. Personally, that did not help me. It actually made me sadder. It made things worse for me, but for some people, it might help them. Um, it's important, I think, to be kind to ourselves, too, when we are grieving. Try to do things that give us joy. And usually that's the simple things in life that we don't often have time for in our busy, regular lives. And I use the word joy on purpose, Jody, instead of happy, mm. because we can't be happy when we are grieving. But we can be joyful through the sorrow, because I find that joy comes from our soul. It comes from somewhere within us. Happiness, I find, often comes from circumstances. We cannot be happy in grief, but we can be joyful and find joy in the little things because there are still things, despite the bad grief and the terrible sorrow, that can make us happy. Our children, uh, things that we enjoy, maybe that I say we don't often have time for. Now, prior to the break, Janet, you were also talking about sort of the stages of the grief after losing somebody so suddenly in a tragedy such as an air disaster, as your family did with your cousin. It, having someone to blame or something to blame is the obvious sort of next step where we're sitting perched with regard to Flight 752. Very true. And, you know, it's, it's terrible. But 31 years later, sometimes, you know, when I'm sad or whatever the word is, I actually still go online and research the Kegworth air disaster. I, I, I try to get some information, background information on the pilots who were in the cockpit. Why did they do what they did? But we'll never know that. Or, or who are the other, who were the other people on the plane who lost their lives and how have they been able to move forward? But you know what? It, it, it's easy to fall back into that sadness, but you always, have, I think, have to fight against it. You can never let it go because it's always part of you. You know, our circumstances in life are part of us who we become. We can never lose that, but we do, we can't stay there. We can't stay in the past. In, as I said before, jo Jody, in order to move forward, we do have to let the past go. We can't let it consume us and, and swallow us up. We yeah. have to try to keep moving forward. And that Come to means terms. Yeah. leaving the past behind. And, and you have to work at that sometimes every day. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's little by little by little. Well, Janet, I think you've helped someone, at least one, today. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Jody.